There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Welcome back. <laughs> Another episode. Just me and Danae today. Yeah. We're feeling like we need to do a little check-in with one another. We thought we'd press record as we check in. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, the thing of being in this 2020 moment with COVID and everything is, in a lot of ways, we've been able to stay connected to one another, even though we aren't seeing each other all the time through doing the podcast, which is nice, but I think it's nice for us to just sort of do these like random check-ins with one another and see how we're doing. Yeah. I think it's important actually, as you say that I'm realizing it's really important and has become more important, or maybe it's always been important. It's just become more obvious how important it is to check in with people this year. Mm. You know, Absolutely. And it can feel like scheduled or like you have to like make space for it because it's, you know, hopping on a zoom call or whatever you're doing to check in with people doesn't feel as natural maybe as like, let's meet for a drink or let's have dinner or whatever. But I do think we just so much need this level of connection with our people so much more. Yeah. And I think like, because we're so busy trying to like stay afloat, right. And people who have kids like trying to school their kids and, you know, me with a baby trying to you know, keep my baby alive. <laughs> but it's like, we're, we're all so busy because we're just like contained. And I don't know, there's a part of it that feels like Groundhog's Day, you know, every yes. day is the same. I blink my eyes. How the hell is a band of August kind of thing? I think mostly because we're in such a strong survival mode right now. Yeah. But because of that, I actually feel it's even more important to interject and 
put those moments in your calendar where you can connect to people. And when everything first started, I actually felt like everybody was like, oh my God, let's Zoom all of our friends and like have, you know, meetups and happy hours and all these things. And then slowly, at least for myself, but also for other people, I've seen it kind of slowly wane. So yeah, um, my challenge to you is to bring it back if you've let it wane. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear you say that because I feel like, um, you know, a little bit of like what we were talking about and why I wanted to talk to you is I'm always like, I need to check in. But like, I'm feeling collectively is such a sense of fatigue with all of this. My clients are talking about it. Um, last night, I feel like I hit a little bit of a wall with it. Just, um, you know, we were talking about Chadwick Boseman died and just the loss, um, like such a beloved actor and like, oh my gosh, it just feels like what else? Like there is just not a lot more that I feel like, um, our psyches can tolerate. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there's just such a sense of like, all of this is like, to your point in the beginning, we were like, okay, we're getting in a rhythm with it. We're, you know, doing zoom calls with our friends, maybe like the kids, we've got them in some activities and now the kids are going back to school for a lot of people. And I just hear people attempting to like do zoom calls for their kids, keep up with their work. And they are just like, I I am drowning and there's no end in sight. Do you feel like it's almost like this precipice, I don't know if precipice is the right word, but there's this image or this feeling that I'm getting. It's almost like it's something swelling, Mm. right? Like I feel it in the news, right? With all of the protests and now, you know, all the latest (laughs) that's just happened. And, um, you know, the, the gunman who, who came in across state lines, the one that was at the Trump rally that came in and shot people. And then, you know, was, allowed to go home and then peacefully arrested later at his house. And just, I just, there's something swelling. I, I feel mm-hmm. like I, I get this, this sensation that it's like coming to a head, like a pimple is about to burst. And I, and I say that not like out of a place of fear, but I'm trying to come at it almost like as a anticipation. And I, and I know there's anxiety sometimes around anticipation, but almost like what's on the other side, like, okay, it's swelling, right? And so when we crest over that wave, maybe we will use a wave instead of a pimple. (laughs) When we crest over that wave, like what's on the other side? Part of it's scary because we don't know, right? Um, We're so being tested collectively to your point, but it's got to be worth something. That's got to be for something, right? That's what I just keep telling myself. Yeah, well, I feel like this is like a conversation we had early on in all of this that was sort of like, are we going to get the lesson? Like, I just Mm -hmm. hope so much we get the lesson. I just hope that we don't sort of like, you know, have this like moment of pause and then return back to our like chasing our productivity, Mm -hmm. our being outside of ourselves. And, oh, I like a little bit wince as I say this, like, I wonder if in some ways we weren't getting the lesson. Like, I feel like there was a little bit, we started to get comfortable most of us. And listen, I want to like really hold that with a caveat that like a lot of people have not been comfortable throughout all of this. Right. But I think there was a level of like, we were getting back to like business as usual. Like Mm -hmm. certainly like we're in California, like things opened up like maybe a little sooner than they should have. And there were real consequences around that. Right. And to your point, I just wonder if this, like what feels so big about like this moment is this like the crest of the wave like this mm-hmm. is coming to a head are you listening you know mm-hmm. and and if you're not like are the waves going to keep crashing are they going to keep swelling <sighs> mm. 
So what do you I think? I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but it's, you know. But I think that it is important for us to have these conversations because I think this is the space that needs to be held right now. I am really experiencing, like, we can't just always put a positive spin on some of these moments. Mm-hmm. How do we stay in what I feel like you often talk about, this liminal space of, you know, becoming something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do in that space? What do mm-hmm. you, what do you think? <laughs> How do we hold this space? We Like, I don't know. Well, I think part of holding the space is the reckoning or the realization that this is the painful space. The liminal space, right? Liminal meaning kind of betwixt in between, right? The in-between, like we are no longer who we were and yet we're not yet who we are going to be or who we will be, right? And that could be individually, that could be societally, whatever. And you can't go backwards, right? Like once you're in this space, you can't go back to who you were. You can't Mm. unknow what you know now. Yes. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't go back in experience and all the things that we have, even like around the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Like a lot of us, like myself included, you can't go back to not knowing and not being aware and not having some of the conversations and the things put in front of you that have been put in front of you, right? So knowing that, I don't know if this is, I'm not saying this, I guess, to like say it's okay and pat you on the head, but knowing that you're in it right now and this is the hard space to be in, Mm -hmm. this is where the pain is. This is the darkness. This is where the lessons are. This is where the challenges are. This is where the dragons are slayed. And then it's the the rebirth into that next phase. Not that birth is not difficult, right? It is. But once we're through that birthing, there is beauty in that. And um, that's what I'm waiting for, right? I'm waiting to like see the light almost like, okay, I'm ready. Like I'm ready to be birthed. Um, we're ready to be birthed. Um, and I don't know what that looks like, but it does feel like I said, something's coming to a head. So I don't know if part of that is yet another cycle or to your point, like, you know, we got knocked down by the universe. You're not learning. So here's another lesson. Um, but we're in it, man. We're in it. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, as you were talking about it, how much we in school would talk about how few rituals of initiation Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, like these rites of passage moments we have Mm -hmm. as a culture, like there's a few, like, like people get married, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's a few of these like moments in time where space is held Mm -hmm. for this liminal space. Um, But actually even like the spaces of getting married, they don't have the same, like you are held collectively. Mm -hmm. We really talk about like the difficulty of what you are moving into in this Mm -hmm. process of initiation. What you're letting go of too. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think that we right now are are in the difficult, right? Like I heard someone talking about like in the civil rights movement, the the bus boycotts were like four years, right? Like we don't sort of get that information right? in, you know, all these years later, we're sort of like, God, you know, like are, we're thinking this should be over, right? Like this. Right. It was a few years and then it was done. And it's like, no, no <laughs> that's not like, how it went. It was a very difficult period in time for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. certainly our generation hasn't had, um, an experience of prolonged liminal space, right? Like this right. prolonged experience of pain, really. Right. Well, or we're also a culture of like, we want it now. Yes. I mean, talk about generational difference. You know, I would say us because we're probably the last, well, we actually are. It's interesting. There's a, there's a group, an age range where we're the only people on the planet that both remember um, analog mm-hmm. and are young enough to be very well-versed in the digital world, right? So um, 
for, I would say from us down, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what it's like to not be able to just push a button and have everything done for you in the instant that we want yes. it, right? Amazon now, right? It's like, we want it right now. And so even more so, we're so not used to delayed gratification. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's just interesting as I hear you say that I'm like, it's sort of sinking in how much that is the truth, mm-hmm. how much we have never experienced really even discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. Like not most of us, not really. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I think it's just this thing of like resisting what this is, right? Mm-hmm. Like the more that we resist the experience, the more painful it is, right? It's such a like Buddhist principle, but like that in the acceptance of this is what it is, there is a sort of softening into the discomfort. It just feels different somehow. Maybe it's like the acceptance of, it's not the acceptance of what's happening, right? Because for that, we are trying to change it and we are standing up and we are speaking out. Mm. Um, Maybe it's the acceptance that it is happening. right? Like the acceptance that it shouldn't be this way. Well, that's who says that, right? Who says it shouldn't be this way? It shouldn't be happening. Well, who says it shouldn't be happening, right? It is happening. That's the acceptance. And as you were saying that I actually got like a physical sensation because I've realized this last week, um, I'm struggling so much with what's happening, you know, in the news and politically. I mean, as we're recording this, we're kind of right on the heels of the, the DNC and the R, you know, the RNC. And it's like, um, I, I don't know. I just find myself being very triggered and, and mm. very like in it uh, and very activated. And I'm trying to find my own space of peace in it all. And this idea of like, what's going to happen is going to happen, right? Like all of us individually and collectively, like we only have so much control and power over the outcome of things and we can fight for things to change. But right now we only have so much control. So I keep trying to come back to those principles and say, you cannot allow yourself to get so swept up and so overwhelmed that then you're crippled, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can't hold your own space or hold space for others or tap into your kindness or tap into your groundedness because that, that we're individually all able to do when we're able to do it is so healing to the people that are closest to us that if we lose touch with that, that ripples out. And so I've been finding myself really experiencing that and trying my best to sit and do, I don't know, extra three minute breathing exercises, extra five minutes here and there for meditation, because I am so emotionally overwhelmed. I'm finding these Mm. last few days by everything happening Um, and trying not to get into like this doomsday mentality too. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's so hard as, as I hear you talking about that. I'm just thinking how much I go back and forth and like literally have to self-soothe around mm-hmm. this idea of what level of activism is appropriate. And then where do I sort of tap into the higher truths that I know about who we are, what is really happening, what this is really all about. And, you know, to sort of the point that you're making, not only can we not unsee these things that are happening, these things have been happening, Mm -hmm. right? Like so much of this has been our reality. We might have more of these things on camera right now, but there has been a collective suffering. And I do mean collective because injustice to anyone is impacting everyone, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know. This thing of activism in the context of um, how do I stay grounded in who I want to be in the world but keep fighting for what is right, right? Like it is so easy to like slip into 
othering and anger and mm-hmm. shutdown and ah, I can't even meet you here. And yet I know that is not the higher truth of what I believe in, you know? It's so present for me right now. I'm not not in any way to like call her out, but my my mom is actually coming to visit today. And you know, we have very different views on many, many things. Um, fundamentally like so many families right uh-huh. now. And fundamentally, I mean, we actually do share so many of the same beliefs and values. And mm-hmm. I, I do believe that um a lot of the kind of hype and brainwashing that's out there in the media on both sides, really, I think has actually made most of us feel like we're more different than we actually are mm-hmm. and that we believe in far less same things than we actually do. Um, but that said, I, I do think that part of my extra activation this week has been around this idea of like, I've had to put kiboshes on conversations because I, I don't know that I can stand in a place where I feel proud of myself or mm. how I'm able to be grounded, articulate my point, stay kind, stay in my highest self. And what does that look like? You know, when, when we're so incapable of staying in our highest self that we have to go, I actually can't talk about this anymore. And that doesn't feel great either because I want to be able to have those conversations. But I know from talking to people that I'm not the only one that's hidden yes. that kind of wall, you know, and limit. <sighs> yeah. It's so, you know, I have um, this yoga teacher, Saul David Ray, when I was, um, you know, a younger yogi who used to say, we have to stay in the space of being skeptical, but not being Mm. cynical. Mm. I always come back to that when I'm in this space of like shutdown. And I had like this moment of like a lesson that it's so funny because we're going to talk to Mark Groves in a couple of weeks, but, but um, he had this moment on his podcast earlier in the summer. I think I told you about this, but he was talking about you know, why it is just really important that we stay vigilant in our civil liberties and not just sort of like give all of our power away. And I remember him talking about it and me being so activated, be like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, that is your white male privilege. La la la. <laughs> like, you don't know. Like, and I think it was when like people were in, I don't even know where, like someone marching with AR-15s and like mm-hmm. against like wearing masks or whatever. And I was just so activated, right? And then something happened that was completely on the other side of what we were talking about, where people's civil liberties were being taken away and they were like being thrown in vans and not allowed to protest. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, this is what he was saying, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it's just, I'm using that example because I think it's so easy to sort of get in our own little world, our own like echo chamber and be so you know, grounded in like, I know what is true for me and not be open anymore to sort of hearing other people's perspectives. And, you know, I'm owning that for myself because there have been times this summer, certainly that I've had to sort of check myself and be like, but what are you missing about whatever may be true about the side of what you believe, right? Like, what are you missing or not seeing because you're too close to it? Like with some distance, what else might be true, right? And I think with what you're saying, I just, I really feel like we have to sort of try to meet the people we love there. Um, and it is hard. It is really, really hard. And I, you know, I'm, I'm often curious why it's so hard, right? Like, why do we get so resistant to, I can believe something different than you and still hold love for you? Like, why do we want to shut down so desperately? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a big question, right? And I don't know if part of it is above us in our understanding of like sociology and kind of biology in the sense that like, you know, we're tribal creatures and, and we actually are kind of hardwired to like gravitate towards people who look like us from a safety mm. perspective. And, you know, all of these things that we could go into that I don't have enough, I think, education around to really speak to well, um, just basic knowledge. But part of it, I think, is that. I think that's where the whole idea of like implicit bias comes from, right? Like it's, mm. sure, it's socialized and it's learned. No question, racism is a learned thing. And biases are actually something that they are slightly imprinted on us. Right. And so, um, we are working against that and it's not to like excuse it, but it is to say, this is tough work. This is, this is big stuff. Right. And it's not an overnight easy thing to solve. And I think that's why, Mm -hmm. and everything is based in fear, which you and I talk about all the time. Right. And I think going back to what you were saying, if I can, in a space of compassion or from a space of compassion, realize that both of us, whoever the us is, meaning me having one opinion, you having another, if I realize truly both of us are pulling from fear, Mm. right? Maybe not pulling from fear, but the base of it all, there is a fear, right? Your fear is no less valid or no more valid than mine is. Maybe it's, what is your fear? Maybe that's the conversation, actually as I'm saying it, right? Like maybe it's not me trying to convince you that my beliefs and what I hear is right. Maybe it's more just getting curious about what your fear is. Maybe that's a deeper conversation that we actually all need to be having. Absolutely. And if that is the conversation, how do we meet our fear and the other person's fear with compassion, right? Like I feel like throughout all of the things that have been happening, like uh, compassion just feels like over and over and over the, the answer that I can come back to, cause I don't know what else, <laughs> like, I don't right. know what else to do beyond that. But, you know, I have, um, someone I know and care about is like doing some work in LA with like working with the police towards like, mm-hmm. how do we sort of find some common ground and reform. Mm -hmm. And like the biggest sort of non-negotiable thing on the table is mandated mental health for police officers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, just like just bumping my brains out. Like, yes. Like when you think about what police departments are holding, Mm -hmm. how much they are carrying, how much they are responsible for with no support for what is happening for them emotionally, it is outrageous. It is. Outrageous. And, you know, Danae, it's crazy because when we think about it, we're just coming around as a culture to that understanding around veterans and how important it is to support them mentally. And even them, our, our government doesn't really support, right? Yes. Like it's only just beginning. And you and I can see that from obviously our side of, you know, where we sit as therapists, but yes, we're police officers, you know, like, you know, I grew up with one. My stepdad was a police, you know, he's retired now a police officer. And I have so many memories of having him come home from something really traumatic and just like witnessing what was going on for him. Right. And like, not to get too heavy, but like, I remember this one time where there was this, um, there was this like homicide suicide thing, um, with like a father who basically like, you know, took, took his wife and his kid's life and his life. And he had to respond to that. And I remember him, I think the, the, the kid was little, he was like a baby. Mm-hmm. And I remember him coming home and my little brother was like two at the time. And so he was still in a crib. My mom told me later, because I was sleeping, I was young, but I guess he came home and like slept on the floor outside my brother's crib and just like wept, right? How do we not expect people that experience that kind of trauma to not need 
mental health support, right? right? And how do we expect people like that not to then internalize or externalize the kind of rage and traumatic experiences, right? Like if we have veterans who we've experienced with PTSD go into a flashback, right? And start raging in the midst of a flashback, how do we not also see that that happens exactly the same for people like police officers who experience really traumatic things? That's not to excuse behavior, but to your point, it's to tap into compassion and to say, guys, we have to look at this differently. We can't just, it can't just be punitive. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just sitting here a little emotional about yeah, that story right. you just told me, but yeah, you know, I think to the, the conversation that we're having, what do we do with this? Right. Um, I think we've got to look for the humanity in each of us. What are we afraid of to the point you were making and what happens when we're afraid, right? Like if you think about animals when they're afraid, they sort of, yeah, you know, it's, um, I think, I think we've got to look for the fear and then we've got to meet it with compassion because, you know, yeah, we can sort of armor up and shut down to one another and you're the enemy and and this will just continue to escalate because I do not think that is the lesson that we are supposed to take away from this incredibly difficult time. I think the lesson is somewhere in the realm of what have we been shut down to? What ways have we not been really, really taking the time to see one another? You know, I mean, we were learning about this in school. You remember, um, I'm like blanking on his name, but that beautiful police officer that came and talked to us and- oh. Officer Hove, he was so lovely. But just, you know, when you really sit down with people and talk about what their experience of their work is, I think you cannot help but meet the moment with compassion, you know, and there's just not enough of that. There's so many assumptions. There's so many stereotypes. There's so much othering happening. Mm -hmm. It's just not getting us anywhere. And it doesn't like take away from the fact or the reality that people's responses to these events are normal and mm. almost warranted, right? Like, I don't want people out there who are filled with rage at what's happening to think that their rage is wrong or misplaced. It's not. It's a normal reaction, especially when you are an oppressed people for as long as so many of our Black citizens have been oppressed, right? Our Black brothers and sisters yeah, they're going to loot. Yeah, they're going to be pissed off, right? Like that is a normal, <laughs> I want to break shit and I'm white. So I can only imagine, right? And I kind of say that half joking, but it's also like so many times that I hear this like, well, they should be doing it this way and they should be peaceful. And they sh it's like, how would you be responding? Because I sure as hell know your ass would not be responding peacefully if the shoe was on the other foot. And so again, it's like, how do you really sit with that person's fear and response and do it with compassion rather than judgment because we all have the fear and we're all reacting actually in exactly the same way to our different fears. Yeah. You know, it's just, as you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking that is the wave, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the disruption, the, 
the anarchy, the anger, the like whatever it looks like at whatever period in time, that is the crest of the wave. Because to your point, people have been trying to peacefully protest. Mm -hmm. Nobody's listening. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, um, someone said something like, please don't talk to me about Martin Luther King and the way he peacefully protested because y'all shot him too. Like Mm -hmm. at some point there is the feeling of there is nothing we can do to get people to understand you've got to stop killing people like this is this is so far beyond unacceptable and yet we've got to bring it back to okay once we start listening hopefully uh what are we listening for i guess Mm. oh i'm so like can feel it in my body i'm like buzzing Mm. and slightly sweating (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i think that is why we have to sort of give ourselves the room to process because I literally like woke up this morning and I was like, I just got to tell you, like I'm on one in so much grief of like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of feeling like this is so hard. Um, I'm tired of, of feeling like I don't know the solution, but even speaking that out loud to you, there's a feeling of like, okay you know um we're not in this alone like I've got my feet underneath me and also to be clear when we say process and speak about it it's not to go back and forth and speak about it with somebody who holds the exact same views as you so that you guys can be like yeah and those guys are assholes and like let's talk each other up right because I do think that we do that a lot and we think that it's processing like while I was talking about it that's different that's a different kind of talking um and in in many ways that kind of that inflames what's already happening in your body, right? And it's already happening in your system. I think there's a different way to process, which is I'm not saying like use Danae in my example of the perfect way to process, but it's, <laughs> it's more about getting underneath, right? Mm-hmm. It's more about, can you start with the surface and can you slowly go layer by layer and get to a place where you say, yeah, man, like we're holding this collective grief together and we don't know the answer, but what we do know is how we want to look during this moment, how we want to feel when mm. all of this moves through, right? And for me, and I know from you, because I just heard it, it's, I want to come from a place of compassion. Yes. I'm not there and I'm not perfect, but I want to continue to remind myself through conversations like this, that my highest self pulls from compassion. Mm. My highest self asks the other person, what are you afraid of? And then doesn't shut them down or make them wrong for feeling it. Absolutely. And I think these kind of conversations are an important reminder to me that that's my highest self. And so that for that, I actually thank you because I think that that has been a good reminder as I go into picking them mm. off from the airport. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like it reminds me of something that I feel like you often say, which is just this thing of like listening to understand versus to be understood. Is that John? John? I'm like, what are you guys is always saying that, but I feel like it's just, um, yeah. Like I, I feel like sitting down with you right now, I was just so, I'm feeling so activated and, um, unsettled. And I want to understand how I sort of can hold this in a way that's going to give me a little bit of understanding. Right. And, um, And I think that if we did more of that with the people that we care about when we are not in the same place, like help me understand what this feels like for you. Help Mm -hmm. me understand what this stirs up for you 
versus like, here's what you need to understand that mm-hmm. you don't get. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that shuts people down. And I think that just like puts us on opposite ends of the spectrum again, you know? Right. Well, it brings up our defenses. Right. And then it's like, we have to defend ourselves against an attack almost, which is kind of the opposite of what we want the converse to be, which is more like, help me understand you. Let me attack your beliefs and your feelings and rip them down and vice versa. Yeah. Well, thank you for helping me have some understanding. V. <laughs> I would say the same to you. Thank you for helping me find that kind of reminder of right. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's what I'm pulling from. And that's what I want to pull from. And, and that is me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I think I might get lost or cloudy, but that is me. Absolutely. That is the highest me. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to sort of meet ourselves with compassion when we forget because we will, especially in moments of extreme stress and difficulty, we will forget our highest selves, but we have the ability to bring ourselves back in any moment, right? Like Mm -hmm. we take a deep breath and we remember. And I think if anything, this year has taught me how much we need one another to remember the highest versions of ourselves, right? Like we remind each other, we reflect that back to one another. As always, mm. my soul <laughs> sister, bringing me back down to earth. <laughs> I know, I love you, sister. Too. Well, guys, I hope that was helpful for you, our little processing session. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think you can guess what I'm going to say is your challenge is to kind of take from this, you know, what we, what we put out there, which is how do you remember what your highest self is and how do you pull from compassion and how do we look at the people closest to us, not only as those um, that we need to rely on and to lean on and to support us, but also ask them the hard questions, ask them about their fears, ask them about their worries um, you know, and have those conversations because those conversations are so much more important and so much more healing to us, to the world. than let me tell you about my beliefs and the facts of the things that I saw on the news. Like that's not really helpful sometimes. Mm, absolutely. We just got to drop back into our humanity with one another a little bit. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Be well. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. 
Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com